the Independence Exeter City podcast. This is Grecian Talk with Ollie Heptinstall, Paul Martin and Paul Sussex. Hello and welcome. I'm Ollie Heptonstall, and with me once again this week are uh, X-Webs, Paul Sussex, Hans for the show, and uh, Paul Martin, uh, my soccer site co-commentator. On this week's show, we're going to discuss yesterday's 3-0 win at home to Burton, that fantastic result. Third, straight win for the Grecians. We'll have some more Steve Flack stat attacks. Discuss League 2, John Sheridan, Bristol Rovers, Morecambe, Southend, Wickham, Port Vale, Torquay. They're all on the agenda. And then we'll discuss Tuesday night's JPT game, Exeter City versus Oldershot in the first round. And um, at the end of the show, we'll look ahead to Saturday's big games, Oxford against Exeter, and of course, the little Devon derby between uh, Torquay and Plymouth. That's all coming up on Grecian Talk. Right, as we normally do on Grecian Talk, we'll start with uh, last yesterday's um, 3-0 win for Exeter City at home to Burton Albion. And uh, Paul, we'll start with you. I told you, I asked you last week, are we capable of repeating our last season in League Two when we finished second? I'll ask you that again. Um, well, I think I said last week that it was a bit too soon to be getting carried away and making sort of bold predictions like that, and I'll stick to that for the moment, but they've bounced back really well since the first day of the season, obviously, and I think if they continue as they are, if they build up some momentum, then they're capable of challenging in amongst the top sort of four or five teams, you'd hope. I mean, they've still got, they've got a strong squad there, as good as, if not better than hopefully most of the teams in League Two. And it's all about, yeah, building the momentum, and if they can keep this winning run going for as long as possible, then they'll definitely be up there challenging at the end of the season. Hans, um, Guillem Bowser, uh, set up John O'Flynn for the second, third, uh, bigger pardon goal yesterday. Is he finally coming good? I'd hope so. Uh, he's had uh, a few good games. He seems to be quite sharp. Um, I think he's only had the one goal in uh, League Two so far, but he's, he's hoping to set them up. He's getting there. Um, so, yeah, it's good that we've got uh, four four strikers all capable of uh, putting the ball in the back of the net. Well, yeah, you said that. O'Flynn and Bowser seem to be striking up quite a decent partnership. Paul, do you think they can start to challenge for a first-team spot? I think the way they're playing, their cameo rolls off the bench, they are putting their uh, case forward for a first-team spot. But I think the way that Gow and Curitan are playing as well, the way they're linking up and they're both scoring goals as well, Gow and Curitan. So I think it'll be difficult for O'Flynn or Bowles to force their way in unless there's an injury to Gow or Curitan. But they can't be doing anything more than they are doing currently to force them, try and force themselves into contention. I mean, yeah, they linked up for the final goal last week at Accrington and yesterday. So... Uh, no, they're doing, they're much improved from last year. The contrast is stark between their performances last year and so far this season. And they've both got full pre-seasons under their belts. And I think that's showing and they're doing really well. And so, as uh, Hans just alluded to, it's great to have four strikers in form at the same time. Well, yeah, it's nice to have four strikers who are really gunning for a first team spot and playing well. Uh, Hans, uh, Jamie Curitan, he's 37 now, yet still scoring goals in the Football League. How much longer do you think he can keep doing it? Well, let's hope for he, um, he can do it for the rest of the season. Uh, he's one of the leading goal scorers in League Two at the moment. All very different goals. Uh, he can post them, he can uh, shoot from distance, he can do all sorts to put them in the back of the net. Exactly what you want, poacher, come marksman, come all sorts of things, really. Paul, we were both at 
at uh, the game yesterday, and uh, here's your match report from the game. So another 3-0 scoreline here at St James Park, with this one much more satisfactory for the Grecians as they recovered to get their ho- from the home defeats to Crystal Palace and Morecambe to get their first home win of the season. Uh, they got the first goal about midway through the first half when the uh, corner wasn't cleared. Alan Gow nodded it back in and Jamie Curriton volleyed past the Burton goalkeeper with a trademark poacher's finish. And the lead was doubled just before half-time when Curriton nodded down the circumscross for Aaron Davis to strike home his uh, first goal for the club. The second half was a bit flat, really, in a game that resembled Exeter's non-league days, really. The ball spent more time in the air than on the ground. And Burton threatened to get back into the game with good chances for likes of Billy Key and uh, Weir the midfielder and they also hit the post Burton in the uh, second half Baxter sealed the win when just a minute from time John O'Flynn started the move on the halfway line by spreading an excellent ball out to the right hand side continued his run and got on the end of Guillaume Bowser's cross to make it extra three Burton nil Craig Woodman it was a bit of another shaky performance from him yesterday wasn't it Paul do you think Jordan Moore Taylor has a case to start at Oxford yeah, I've been disappointed with Woodman so far. He hasn't really got going, I don't think. Well, I, I haven't been to the two away games, but the two home games that I've seen him play, and I've been disappointed. But then again, there's the old saying about don't change a winning team. So I think for the moment they should keep him in there and just see if he can pick up some form, because he's obviously he's got experience around the lower leagues, and he may well pick up. And, I mean, if they start struggling as a team, and if his performances still remain under par, then there's definitely a case for Jordan Moore Taylor to come in. But I think at the moment they should just keep this settled lineup that they've got that's winning games and doing well. Okay, and uh, Scott Bennett, it was another fantastic performance from him yesterday. Hans, do you agree that he's our star midfielder at the moment? I think um, he, he, he is. He's uh, still quite young. He's... Um he plays well, he's able to um, take a lot of control of the midfield, he's very good in the uh, defensive area, so um, he's, doing, he's doing well. Um, not yet man of the match, I don't think, uh, he must be quite close to it in terms of the minds of the sponsors. Well, I thought he, I thought he deserved man of the match yesterday, um, it was awarded to Paul, um, Paul, uh, Pat Baldwin, Paul Martin's lookalike, <laughs> and uh, Paul, who do you, who do you think uh, should have been awarded man of the match? Yeah, I think Bennett's not a bad shout, actually. He, was, he did really well yesterday. He put in some really, some really important challenges and blocks. He's got a no-nonsense style to his play, which comes in handy with backs against the wall, which they were a bit in the start of the second half. So, yeah, I mean, yesterday was, it was a good team performance, really. I think everyone pretty much played well, and it was difficult to pick a standout man, but Bennett would, def- would have been my choice, I think. Okay, and Paul, your thoughts on Matt Oakley? What are, you, what are your thoughts on him? He's had a bit of an in-and-out start. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Oakley. I thought he was a really good signing when they were able to snap him up in the summer. I was very disappointed with his display against Morecambe. I mean, he's the experienced man in the midfield, but that didn't show in that game. He was better yesterday. I mean, he, he used the ball pretty well, I think. A, f- a few times he gave it away a bit carelessly. But it's interesting because there's Tommy Doherty on the bench, and I think they're two sort of similar players. They're both experienced players in the midfield who use the ball well. And apparently, I wasn't there, but reports suggested that Doherty had a good game. I think it was the Aldershot game that Doherty played and did well. So it'd be interesting to see if maybe he could come in. And, well, Oakley probably won't have the fitness to start every game, so those two might end up rotating. And it'd be, I'd be interested to see how Doherty slots in as well, because Oakley's been a little bit disappointing so far, I think. Uh, yeah, Hans, you were at the Aldershot game, weren't you? What did, what did you think of uh, Tommy Doherty? Yeah, yeah, I um, I think he's uh, a good player. I think Tommy uh, will be a key player this season. I'm hoping he stays injury-free, suspension-free, and just add a few, perhaps, goals to his name from uh, defence. I think we'll be doing well. 
Okay, and Hans will stick with you for the next point. Uh, Arta Kryjak, it was another pretty faultless performance from him yesterday. Do you think he's turned a corner? I hope so. I think many of us were uh, very concerned after the Morecambe home game if things have got better. So much the... Um so much better. I was half expecting the sponsors to select him as man of the match yesterday with the number of saves that he did put in and looking through Grusham player the highlights, um, there was some uh, good stuff in there. Some of it was um, saved by any part of the body that you have to, but of course the goalkeeper will do that if they're any good. Um, I, I think the last three games would have done his confidence uh, a lot of good. I think I was uh, very concerned about him being back at home. There's a lot of things from the Morecambe home game that uh, I was concerned about um, but they all seem to have been um, put to one side and all the players got on with it it's hard I think at times uh, at St James's Park it can be very critical of players, it can be very harsh on players and uh, if you do badly then you know the, the crowd will get on your back which doesn't always help. Well yeah and let's hope he continues his fine form. Right then Next up, we're going to discuss... Two, two clean sheets. Oh. I think that's quite good. Fantastic. Brian Harley or Alan Gow? Well, now, this is the one we've had on uh, on our Twitter account this week. Um, it's been pretty even. Two all, I think, was the score between those two. Paul, who would, if you had to choose one, which would you have and why? Ooh, that's, a, that's a tough one because they're, they're both sort of, well, they're the flair players, aren't they? You, they can be frustrating, but you put up with the frustrating bits because of the moments of brilliance that they can provide for the team. At the moment, I think I'd say Harley because he was, he was doing it. I know Gal did it at the back end of last season, but Harley performed consistently at a higher level to, and he had some really memorable games for us as well. The Leeds one immediately springs to mind. And I think overall, I'd pick him. If Gal continues his form as he's in at the moment and helps get us promoted this year, then ask me again at the end of the season and I might give you a different answer. But for the moment, I think if I had to pick one, I'd pick Harley. What about you, Hans? Well, can't we have both? I mean, that would be an incredible uh, team, having those two <laughs> playing off each other. I'm not quite sure who gets to take all the free kicks. But I would have thought um, that the two together would be quite something to um, one setting up the other, because uh, Gao can... Um, can take the chances as well as set the chances up as could uh, Harley I think uh, we'd definitely be a team to uh, fear with those two in, uh, up front or in midfield I'd go for Gow I think Yeah, well, it's, it's tough isn't it I'd probably go for Harley I think Gow needs a bit more time yet to show why he's better than Harley but uh, if you've got an opinion on that then tweet us at Grecian Talk Right then, next up we're going to have some more Steve Flack stat attacks. These are Exeter City stats, which aren't necessarily related to the big man. We'll start with you, Paul. And this one, well, my one this week is that the last time we started this well was the 2007-2008 conference promotion season with three wins and one draw. Our last time Exeter won 3-0 twice in a row was back in December 2007. We had a 3-0 win over Halifax in a conference game and followed that up with a 3-0 win over Salisbury in the FA Trophy. Okay, mine is uh, Aaron Davis' goal yesterday. It was his first goal since the 1st of October last season for uh, Northampton in their 2-1 win at Barnet. And thanks for Hans for compiling the Steve Flack stat attacks, if you've got any for us. Then uh, tweet us at Grecian Talk. You can also uh, find us on Facebook. Keep up to date with the show via our website, grecientalk.co.uk. Next up, and we're going to discuss League Two, and it was another eventful day in League Two yesterday. 
And uh, of course on Tuesday when John Sheridan was sacked by Chesterfield, um, got them relegated of course last season, but won the JPT, which was a bit of a, a softening blow. Paul, was it harsh or did he deserve to go? Well, it seems strange having, well, they obviously got relegated last year, and having stuck with him through the summer, it would seem strange to only give him three games in the new league and then just get rid of him straight away. Uh, you'd think they'd give him more time in this league. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have the best of start, did they? I'm looking here, they lost to Wimbledon and that, then they had two one-all draws, then got another one yesterday without him, another one-all draw. But I mean, you can't, I don't think you can do, you can be too sort of, you can't read too much into the first couple of games of the season, you've got to give them time. And so I think it was harsh. I mean, if it, if it had been a sort of, if it had happened with City and Tisdale had obviously taken us down, if we'd had the start that Sheridan had had at Chesterfield, I think Tisdale would still be the manager, and rightly so. So I think uh, it was harsh, yeah. They should have given him more time, I think, having stuck with him over the summer anyway. Yeah, what are, you, what are um, your thoughts on that one, Hans? Like Paul, I think the timing was very odd, uh, very close to the transfer deadline. He'd already relegated uh, Chesterfield last season. Why carry on with him through the summer and for three games at the start of the season? Um, perhaps he should have gone, the decision should have been made at the end of last season, or they should have kept him on. Uh, maybe there are other things going on behind the scenes, uh, maybe disagreement on player budget, uh, player signings, that sort of thing. And uh, it was just decided to, um, to end it at that time. Yeah, it was a bit bizarre, wasn't it? And uh, at the Memorial Stadium yesterday, Bristol Rovers nil, Morecambe 3. I know that they were leading 3-1 at um, Wickham last week before that game was abandoned, but that's now just one point from three games for Rovers. And Paul, how much longer will Mark McGee be manager if ca- uh, results carry on like that? Not very long if results carry on like that, because they've got big expectations of the fans there. They see themselves as quite a big club, I think. And, uh, yeah, big fan base as well, so the pressure will definitely mount if he can't get them winning games. And, yeah, they were, un- they were unlucky last week. They were, well, cruising through and up at Wickham when the game was abandoned because of that thunderstorm. But apart from that, they've been poor this year. And looking at their games coming up, they've got Aldershot at home, which they'd see as a winnable game, and a couple of tricky away games at Gillingham and Plymouth. So if they come out of that period with only a couple more points or even less, then we could well be seeing the end of Mark McGee, I think, at Bristol Rovers. Yeah, Plymouth, they should win. Pretty easy game, that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Southend <laughs> won, Wick- Wickham nil. Um, Wickham, they of course lost Stuart Bevan to Preston on a deadline day. And he scored for Preston, actually, this afternoon at uh, Swindon. 4-1 win there for Preston. Um, Hans, does that mean the end of uh, Wickham's promotion hopes with the loss of Stuart Bevan? Well, we've got Logie, of course, now to replace uh, Bevan, so there shouldn't be any problems for Wickham. <laughs> um, I think uh, Wickham are going to have a few problems. Scoring goals, uh, Stuart Bevan is huge for them. Um, I think Southend themselves are going to start climbing the table now. I think I said last week or the week before that uh, Southend have uh, got a lot more to come. Wickham not so sure. We're going to play them in a couple of weeks' time, so perhaps we'll find out. Yeah, it's a Tuesday night game, that one, isn't it? Port Vale won, Torquay won. Um, it was a superb oh, That was so funny. Superb performance by Brian Saar, wasn't it? A fantastic glancing header for the first, and then he <laughs> hit the post with another one. Paul, did you see that one on the Football League oh, show? Brilliant, the one that hit the post. Yeah, I watched it especially. I skipped to that bit because I'd heard about the own goal. And it was it was worth seeing, but I, the one that hit the post was the, my favourite. If only that had gone in, that would have captured brilliant... <laughs> Uh, sort of brace of own goals but yeah that was that was good to see um, where do we think Torquay will finish Paul? 
Um, I think they'll be in and around the playoff spots, to be honest. Um, I th- sorry, my phone's going. I don't know. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, Don't worry, no, yeah, I think they'll be. <laughs> I think they'll be um, in and around the playoffs at the end of the season. To be honest, I think they've got a decent squad. They, I think, playoffs the last two seasons. I think definitely last year, and um, yeah, they've got. They lost some of their better players in the summer, I believe. O'Kane was one of them, but I think they've got a good manager in Ling, and I think extra will finish above them, mind. But I think Torquay will definitely be there or thereabouts. Okay, and um, Hans, will Port Vale still be in the playoffs? They're seventh at the moment. Do you think they'll still be there at the end of the season? I think a lot depends on their finances, um, how they exit administration. Really don't know. I mean, those are such key points for them, and if um, they can hold on to the players, I think they might have a reasonable season, but I think there's so many doubts that um, I wouldn't want to bet on them being in the playoffs or even promoted. Yeah, of course, um, Richard Duffy's um, now at Port Vale. Uh, Plymouth 3, Tor- uh, Northampton 2. Bit of a shock score and there at home park. Plymouth finally winning a game. Um, Paul, have Argyle turned a corner or are they still relegation candidates? Uh, I think they're still relegation candidates, to be honest, because that win... It's a decent win against Northampton, but Northampton played Thursday night, I think, in the Capital yeah. One Cup, as it's now called. So it's a big ask for them to play Thursday night and then go all the way to Plymouth for a Saturday game. So a good win for them, yeah, but I think Northampton, they were going to struggle with that. And then the other games that Plymouth have had, they've drawn with Aldershot and Dagenham and Redbridge, who are both down the bottom of the table. So you'd you'd think that they're going to be teams in or around them. And uh, they haven't been able to get wins against them. So I think they'll struggle. I think they might be able to force their way into mid-table. But I'd be surprised to see them do any more than that. And, uh, yeah, as we'll come on to later, a big game for them this weekend. Yeah, we'll come on to that later. Of course, the Little Devon Derby occurring next Saturday. Right then, next up we're going to discuss um, the Tuesday night game, JPT. Exeter against Aldershot. Your thoughts ahead of that one, Hans? Um, it's an interesting interruption. We never seem to get many of these games away, and for September, I think we could probably really have done a done with an away game. Uh, five out of seven games are at home during September. Um, this is a bit of an interruption from our, you know, last three games being wins. The key thing, of course, is we've not lost 12 shots since 1955. For me personally, I has quite a good record to. Um, banter with old shot fans with so I hope that we can continue that run and that we do win. There are certain rules in the competition about who we can play. Um, most of them most of the team will have to be ones that are featured so far in the league um, so probably won't expect to see too many changes and I, I would have thought you know Paul Tisdale should not go in for changing a winning team. I think the major change will probably be Rhys Evans in goal for Arthur Kryzak. And I think we'll swap the strikers round so that we'll start with Bowser and uh, John O'Flynn and give Curitan and Gow a bit of a rest. But other than that, I think it will be basically the same. Yeah, perhaps uh, Jordan Moore-Taylor moving in at left back as well. Um, Paul, do you think the JPT should be scrapped? Are clubs really that interested in it? Or is it quite a valuable game for um, reserve players? Well, I think that's the main thing about it. It's a good chance for teams to experiment with the young players. That's the only thing that it really has as a benefit to it, I think. As well, I think teams, teams aren't interested in it until you get to sort of the regional finals and then the sort of prize of playing at yeah. Wembley comes up. Obviously, City had it a few years ago. But even then, I was, at, I was there for the sort of second leg of the 
regional final against Brentford, and I think there was a crowd of less than 4,000 there for it. So I don't think it really grabs the attention of the fans in the ways that any of the other trophies do, really. And obviously, if you get if you get through, get a, get a decent draw, and the prize of playing at Wembley's there, then yeah, you'll take it seriously. But I don't think it's really worth very much, to be honest. I, but I don't think there'll be any tears shed if they lose on Tuesday night. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I saw that um, regional final, isn't it? Exeter against Brentford, and we were absolutely awful on that night, weren't we? It was a yeah, one of the worst really... performances I've seen from City side that night. Yeah, we were dreadful in front of the TV cameras as well. Okay, we're going to look ahead now to um, next Saturday's game. A big, big game at the Kassam Stadium. Exeter against Oxford, of course. Uh, Hans, will this turn out to be a early promotion six-pointer? Um, <laughs> bit early to describe it as a six-pointer, but it's a second versus third um, tie, so uh, I think a lot of people will be very much looking forward to it. Oxford uh, have rarely beaten Exeter in the years since we started playing, uh, playing them in the early 60s. And of course, uh, many City fans that were there back in uh, the conference playoff semi-final would probably describe Oxford away as one of their top five games they've ever seen Exeter City play. And what a night that was, and it's one of my my regrets as an Exeter fan that I wasn't there, but... Um, Steve Tully was a bit of a hero that night with the penalty, wasn't he? Oh, it was fantastic. I wasn't there on that night either, and uh, it was fantastic. I, I, I went the following. I went the following season, and I think that was just as uh, almost as dramatic. It was a televised game. We were two 0 down. Uh, looked well out of it, but um, Adam Stansfield had a bit of a blinder that night. Um, set up some goals, and of course Logan, being the hero he was, scored two goals, which the second the equaliser was well into um, injury time. 96 minute, I think it was. It was televised as well, and it was a it was a good evening to be there. Well, Paul, your predictions for Saturday will it turn out to be just as dramatic? Uh, could be a could be a very exciting game actually. I think could, there could be a few goals in it. Anyway, the, Oxford, their results they've had goals in pretty much all of their games. I think, and uh, as have City, of course. So I think Oxford as the home side would probably be just about favourites. But City, of course, three wins on the bounce. I think they can go there and get a result. I think a, a draw would be a good result. I take a point from Oxford. I think, and the main thing really, I guess, is to keep this uh, well, try and keep the winning run going. But if not. Uh, get a draw and stay undefeated for four games which would be a great start to the season yeah that would be excellent Torquay against Plymouth in the Little Devon Derby the big one of course not until December Exeter against Plymouth that's going to be fantastic uh, Hans is surely going to be a comfortable win for Torquay isn't it I don't know the result yesterday will give Plymouth a bit of a bounce and confidence <laughs> the bigger question is will any of us be keeping an eye on the uh, game and the uh, score um, <laughs> I think Torquay will probably shade it uh, Paul your thoughts ahead of that one I think yeah Torquay will be <clears throat> Torquay will be favourites but as they say the form book goes out the window in derby games but it's, it's not a proper derby game like you're saying but so you never know at this early stage of the season but I think yeah, Torquay will probably win it. A draw might be a better result, and then no one's really that happy with it, but nah, it doesn't really matter to us, I don't think. Grecian Talk. If you'd like to get into contact with us for future shows, this is how you can do so. You can tweet the show at Grecian Talk, email the show, contact at grecianTalk.co.uk, or you can find us on Facebook. And again, thanks again to uh, Paul Martin and Paul Sussex for your company this evening, and uh, thank you for listening. The music for the show is by Kevin McLeod, his website incompetech.com.